Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Halliwell, and today we are speaking to Matthew Cullen about his paper, Surgical Repair of a Full Thickness Ear Pinna Defect in a Horse. Matthew works at the Equine Hospital at the University of Liverpool, where he is about to finish a residency in equine surgery. This report details the surgical repair of the full thickness defect in the pinna of a horse following laser excision of a sarcoid. Can you explain what makes surgical repairs in this location particularly challenging? Yeah, so you've got um, relatively taut skin covering the pinna. There's also the range of motion of the ear, uh, which is quite large, and in the horse they can rotate around about 270 degrees. So dressing them and immobilizing the repair is difficult. Um, and although the blood supply is good in general, uh, in this case, because the defect was fully through the pinna, uh, with no tissue underlying the defect, we were concerned about the blood supply to the repair being compromised. Can you describe for us the case presentation and why it was deemed important to try and repair the defect in the first place? Sure. Uh, the horse was a gelding. He's for showing. And he'd had a sarcoid removed from the site of the defect about two months uh, before being referred to us for treatment. The sarcoid had been excised using a diode laser and uh, it was reported to be closely adhered to the auricular cartilage at surgery. Uh, but there were no complications reported from the procedure itself. Um, the site was left to heal by second intention, but it became infected uh, and was then reassessed by the referring vet three weeks after the initial surgery. At that time, there was necrosis of the site, and uh, they started treatment with oral antimicrobials and a topical mix of corticosteroid and um, hydrogel. Unfortunately, that necrosis progressed and resulted in a full thickness circular defect. Um, the owner um, they treated to they desired an improved cosmetic appearance, um, but by the time of the referral, there was also kinking of the lateral aspects of the pinna due to the very thin strut of cartilage laterally to the defect, and that was getting worse. And then there were also concerns about the risk of further trauma if a fixed object became caught in the defect. So why do you think the defect occurred after the laser sarcoid excision in the first place? We're not certain, uh, but it seems unlikely it was just the surgical site infection based on experience in other cases. Uh, We know that Ongoing thermal necrosis happens after using lasers uh, to remove sarcoids, and this is normally a benefit in increasing our margins after the excision. But in this case, we thought that that was also the most likely cause for the ultimate cartridge loss. So, in this case, you elected to perform the repair procedure using a two step approach. Can you briefly explain the stages of this and why you thought a two step approach was necessary? Yeah, so uh, the first stage was one to uh, insert a skin expander underneath the skin adjacent to the site and also to put in two meshes um, which we uh, wanted to use um, really to try and encourage granulation tissue to form across the defect. So that was the first reason we wanted a a two-step approach. With no underlying tissue, we were pessimistic about the chances of a skin graft surviving. Uh, So these two uh, artificial dermal meshes were used to try and get that granulation tissue to form. 
Um, and secondly, we wanted to use a, a local rotational flap. So that needed time then for the between the first and second procedures for skin expansion to work uh, and then increase the tissue that would be available to do that. So um, how does the skin expander actually work? Um, and were there any alternative techniques you could use? Yeah, we could have used a free skin graft uh, or I guess the skin's natural extensibility. Um, just then local tension relieving techniques, say undermining and meshoplasty, uh, but we opted for the expander. And that um, is a, it's, it's got a hydrogel core, and then that's surrounded by a silicon shell, and that um, the core osmotically draws in fluid from the local tissue to gradually expand over time. It's a similar material to contact lenses. And then you get a controlled rate of expansion and also because it self-expands, there's no need for repeated injections of saline. And why in, in this case then did you choose a pedicle flap over a free skin graft? What are the advantages of that? Uh, mainly in this case to give a better cosmetic outcome, because it meant we'd be using skin that was similar in appearance and thickness to where the defect was. Um, and also because it could be secured with an intact blood supply rather than relying on the underlying tissue for nutrition which we were already concerned about in that case with um, there having been no um, tissue where we were going to be securing the flap. Um, the, uh, we wanted to use the, um, the meshes to encourage that tissue forming and then that was actually successful. So by the time we, we did go to surgery, there was a, a bed of um, underlying subcutaneous tissue, uh, but we still thought that a pedicle flap would be uh, a better choice in this case. So did you anticipate any complications um, and what factors do you think contributed in this case to uh, the success? Uh, the main complications we were concerned about would be the uh, infection, uh, as, is, as is common, and then failure of the graft. But luckily both of those were avoided. Something we didn't expect, um, but did actually happen, was one of the expanders had burst in between the two surgeries. Uh, just the outer silicon lining. And that didn't cause any problems or, or any local tissue reaction. The uh, materials were designed to be as inert as possible. Um, and the whole expander was easily removed. Uh, so it, it didn't cause any uh, issues, but it was unexpected. Um, and in terms of uh, the success, I guess giving the skin expanders long enough to work was important. Um, and then the, the choice of a pedicle flap uh, over a other techniques was turned out to be a good one in this case. And uh, what was what was the final outcome? Did you achieve a good cosmetic result in the end as well as a functional one? Yeah, um, the horse went home, I think about two weeks after surgery. Um, at that stage, uh, it was looking good. And then um, the defect healed well, although the uh, lateral kink in the been present admission did remain. Um, the horse went back into showing um, and then uh, the, the latest feedback we had from the owner was two years after surgery uh, the pictures at that stage uh, showed the kinking but where the actual defect had been uh, looked very good uh, so a, a good outcome in the end so what would you see your take-home messages for vets in practice that are considering uh, the surgical repair of um, wounds to the ear uh, I guess in the first place, just um, 
the care that we need to take when we're treating sarcoids or other cutaneous masses in the region. Um, there's not much tissue between the outer skin and the cartilage and the laser can uh, certainly uh, cause damage to the cartilage and although we don't know that was the uh, for certain and that was the issue in this case is um, certainly our, our main theory um, and then when it comes to uh, treating defects one that is challenging um, there are a lot of considerations and um, the, we had to use a variety of techniques across two procedures so um, careful planning and, and um, yeah there, there are uh, there's not much skin in the region so um, finding a way to negate that is important thanks very much Matthew and uh, thank you everybody for listening thank you Thank you for listening to this Equine Veterinary Education podcast. More on the subjects discussed in this podcast can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash e.